we're having a population resurgence within the city of Atlanta. Many more people now desire to live in the city than wanted to when I was growing up. And that's true around the country. But that also has the tendency without the appropriate policies in place to push people further out. And so this is really the critical time for us to be thinking about how we invest in infrastructure, how we do it so that it benefits everyone, and how we ensure that we can continue to grow sustainably. Welcome back to season three of MasterCard's Fortune Favors the Bold. I'm your host, Ashley C. Ford, and that's our guest, Shayna Pollock. This season, we're taking the big questions we all have but are often afraid to ask and talking about them. And something I think a lot of people are scared to talk about is right in their own backyard. On this episode, we're thinking about how we make decisions about where we live, what we expect from our cities, and how our cities can be a place where everyone can thrive. Today we're asking, how can my city be more inclusive? We're gonna talk to Shana, an Atlanta native who is watching her city grow and thinking a lot about how Atlanta can change in ways that are good for everyone. Then, to talk through her questions, we'll turn to Kevin Bacon, an urban designer who wants to change the way we think about development in growing cities. But Shana's concerns aren't only playing out in Atlanta. Every month, the world's urban population grows by 6 million. And by 2050, more than 70% of the population will live in urban areas. It's really hard to imagine how cities will keep up with this growing population, and honestly, that can be scary. When we talked to residents in Atlanta, we found that everyone had something they were afraid of losing in their city. Everyone had something they wanted to protect. I came to Atlanta in the early 70s. I've been in Atlanta my whole entire life, 38 years. Well, I was born here, born and raised. I'm a second generation born and raised here. I have seen so many changes. I mean, downtown looks totally different. Midtown, all of that is just, you know, like mind-boggling. We're concerned about development. We're concerned about maintaining the input that citizens should have. I'm most interested in preserving the architectural integrity of housing. The canopy of trees, right? You want to see those remain because it's one of the beautiful things about the city. And then I think the neighborhoods right across the city. In particular, the neighborhood where Martin Luther King grew up. Transportation is the top to be able to go places. We have a number of seniors in our area who want to age in place, but there's nothing available. I'd like to preserve our neighborhood as it is, as opposed to jamming it with houses. Does that sound selfish? <laughs> I mean, I want to see our area grow. I want it to be diverse but not at the expense of its character and traditions. Whether you live in an urban area or not, I know a lot of us have questions about changing cities. Questions like, how does the rent I pay for my apartment affect other people in the neighborhood? How can I feel more connected to different communities in my city? And how can I even get to those other communities when there aren't any bus stops near me? And for our guest, Shayna, 
It's these types of questions, especially that last one, that have always been in the back of her mind. My husband has this little joke that he uses a fake voice for about me that when I was probably like six years old, I was probably standing on the corner saying, these headways are ridiculous. So a headway is the distance between when buses come. This is Shayna Pollock, a managing director at Central Atlanta Progress, a nonprofit focused on making downtown Atlanta a better place for everyone. As soon as we sat down, she threw out a disclaimer. She's a self-proclaimed transit nerd. And like, I think that's how you know you're a nerd, when your husband believes that since you could basically talk, you were talking about how headways should be better on buses. For Shayna, being a transit nerd means using transportation planning to make sure that no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you have, there's a way to get you from point A to point B. And that often means the kind of nose-to-the-ground work that's tedious, but ultimately worth it for a lot of people. Planners like to joke that all of us have counted something at some point in our lives. Um, that's, how, <laughs> that's how you're in your stripes as a planner. And I think through that and just visiting all of those neighborhoods, that's really what made me want to stay in public transit. And that led to her current role at Central Atlanta Progress. A nonprofit committed to promoting the vibrancy and livability of downtown Atlanta. And so I work on a wide swath of transportation issues that fall within our district in downtown Atlanta. Transportation is a big issue for any growing city. In Atlanta, there's already the Metropolitan Atlanta Rapid Transit Authority, AKA MARTA. MARTA is a part rail, part bus system, and while it connects many parts of the city, there are a lot of neighborhoods where MARTA isn't the best transit option. So what do people do? If they can afford to have a car, they drive. But because of its growing population, Atlanta city streets won't be able to handle so many cars on the road. And instead, more and more people will rely on trains, buses, and bike lanes to get around. We're having a population resurgence within the city of Atlanta. And so this is really the critical time for us to be thinking about how we invest in infrastructure, how we do it so that it benefits everyone, and how we ensure that we can continue to grow sustainably. We are an incredibly diverse city, and there's so much strength in that. At CAT, it's Shana's job to think about how Atlanta is changing and how to make sure those changes are good for everyone. And even though I'd say Shayna is kinda already an expert, she still has questions about the best ways to do that. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in Atlanta today versus the Atlanta you grew up with? We are a gentrifying city and we are a growing city. Many more people now desire to live in the city than wanted to when I was growing up. And that's true around the country. But that also has the tendency without the appropriate policies in place to push people further out. Because of all that growth, city officials are thinking a lot about housing affordability. But we don't often think about that cost of transportation that's built into that. Okay, wait, what does that mean? So when you live in a dense urban environment, for instance, and you have better transit access, transit typically serves denser areas. Um, when you live in that neighborhood, you may be paying more for housing, but you're paying less for transportation. And when you're being pushed to the exurbs, a lot of times your housing cost is lower 
but your transportation costs really eats into your income. And so it's so much bigger than just transportation. Wow. I don't think I ever even really thought about that as a factor, to be honest. This is an important point for Shana because it means that transportation isn't just about getting from A to B. It's part of a whole package that determines where you can afford to live, work, and build your life in your city. And that's why Atlanta is making a massive investment in their transit system, MARTA. I believe it was $2.5 billion over the next 40 years to be dedicated to expanding public transit. So I think there's pretty wide recognition in the city of Atlanta that transit is the future. And it's also a time for us, in my opinion, to really think about where we're making the investments and ensuring, because there's always more needs than money, ensuring that we're making those investments in a smart way so that they will serve the way our community is going to grow over the next 40 years and beyond. How have you seen public transit affect people's lives? For some people, it's a real lifeline. It's their connection to jobs and hospitals and parks and libraries and schools. And I joke that every bus stop is a battlefield. People would ask for a bus stop in one specific spot because that's what they needed or what they perceived was needed. And when you hear that, you just want to be able to give every person that bus stop because that gives them access to opportunity, whatever that is, grocery store, library, job. But you can't do that. There are trade-offs. And for Shana, it's about ensuring that those trade-offs do more good than harm. She knows that a big part of her job is making sure that progress isn't only about replacing old Atlanta with new Atlanta. It's about making space for everyone, regardless of race, income, or how long they've lived there, to feel like their city cares about their specific needs. I'm very worried about balancing the future city that I want us to be with making sure that we continue to be a competitive city today. Shana doesn't just want to balance those futures hypothetically. She wants to know what she can do to make it happen. Before I even finished my conversation with Shana, I knew I wanted to bring her questions to Kevin at Atlanta City Studios, a pop-up mobile design studio that Shana was already a big fan of. And boy, did she have questions for him. If you could ask him any advice on how urban planning can create a more inclusive city, what would you ask? I only get one? You can have as many as you want. Like, how do they handle all this change? Well, I would love to learn more about how urban design is responding to the changing environment in Atlanta. And how do you make people feel like parts of the city, including transit spots, are for them? I really am interested in what we can do from an urban design perspective to make taking transit better. And how do you go about discussing your plans for change with your city's residents? We think a lot about public outreach and engagement in planning. That's the public is one of those huge areas where we have to coordinate to really ensure that the projects that we build work. And city design has done such an interesting thing in the way that they've moved their studio around town to try to reach different neighborhoods. And I, I want to know, is it working? And what have you learned by moving around town about how to best reach different constituencies. After the break, we'll try to answer them all. 
My name is Arturo Franco. I am the Vice President of Research Data and Insights at the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. It's a center that uses and leverages all of the assets of the company to try to accelerate inclusion and economic growth. It's very peculiar to think of a world where there's all of this progress, but it's not distributed equally where geography is destiny, where the country where you are born in determines a lot of the outcome of your life. And increasingly, it's not the country that you're born in, it's the city or the part of the city that you're born in. And that's what's, I think, fascinating about the work that we're doing at MasterCard. So we have a program in our Data for Good space called the Data Fellows Program. We choose people who can use the insights that are generated from our data. So this particular person, her name is Michelle Thompson, and we're working with her to try to understand what happened in a particular part of New Orleans, the Claiborne Corridor, which is traditionally African-American, and then they built a highway on top of it, and all of the small businesses disappeared. And in the last 10 years after Katrina, after the hurricane, there's been a lot of push from the city government to redevelop this place. Michelle is connected through the university with the local community. Earlier this year, we organized a datathon with uh, 60 of our data scientists. And the datathon was basically what can we do with our transactional data that can generate insights for New Orleans. And then they generate these amazing data visualizations and insights and analysis. A way of combating inequality is making sure that every place has all the tools that they need to make the best decisions. My dream is to be there when those tools get created and then teach people how to, how to use them so that we can get better decisions and, and we can progress we believe that the world can have a more sustainable and equitable way of uh, empowering people, of growing, where more people benefit from this growth. So the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth is just a great place to be a geeky data economist. To learn more, email fftb at mastercard.com. Okay, Kevin. Yes. Tell me about your name and what you do. Well, you don't have to tell me about your name. Just tell me your name. I was about to say, usually that's a leading question with, with my name. This is Kevin Bacon. He's the studio director of Atlanta City Studio. Like Shana, Kevin thinks a lot about what Atlanta's growth will mean for its current residents. Atlanta is predicted to have 2.9 million more residents by 2050. And Kevin knows that this change has been rolling in for a long time. I think back in the, the mid-90s growing up on the other side of the state, uh, looking to Atlanta as, as kind of the, the center of Georgia and about the same time, and, and this is not an unfamiliar story, we were hosting the Olympics and, and becoming that, that international city, and, and everybody wanted to move to Atlanta. The people who talk to me about Atlanta often say, you know, it, it's all happening so fast. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that Atlanta is going through all of this change and growth? 
change is a, is a scary thing. I mean, you hear it in every public meeting that you go to. But I, I think change can be a really good thing. You, you just have to know what you want out of it. You can use that change, that growth to accomplish a lot of things so that, that it's not necessarily something to be afraid of. Now, if you just kind of let it happen, yeah, that's something to be concerned about. But I, I do see that it can be a positive shaping force. But in order for that to happen, Kevin says urban planners like him have to shake things up. Atlanta City Studios is one of the few emerging design studios that's actually part of the local government. The studio is working with both city officials and citizens in order to break out of established patterns of how city planning decisions are usually made. You know, maybe conventional city planning had lost sight of what it means to to actually design a city, that cities are physical things that, that need to be designed, much like you would think about the design of your own home or apartment or wherever you live. First step, instead of just asking Atlanta residents for feedback, Atlanta City Studio actually brings the conversation about the changing city to them. That's why we move around and, and we get people thinking about design, valuing the design of their city. So Atlanta City Studio operates like a pop-up shop. Every year or two years, it moves its storefront location to a new neighborhood in Atlanta. So we wanted to have a studio that was outside of City Hall that, that was very public-facing, that allowed everybody to drop in. So it's, it's, it works almost like a retail space. Our first location was at, at Pont City Market. We were there for just under a year. And just as you could drop into any one of those restaurants or stores and, and stroll, the, the same thing was for our studio. You could come in and see what we're working with, um, look at the designs we were doing, um, information on anything else happening in your city. And, and the people that you were talking with are not all volunteers or anybody else. It's, it's actually the staff working on these things so that those conversations, those ideas are being shared real time into the work that we're doing. And since that first year, they've moved their operation from one neighborhood to another to another. Because the only way to stay in touch with the real people of Atlanta is to be with the real people of Atlanta. You know, whether you're coming to talk to us about bus canopy designs or you've got a broken water meter, which really has nothing to do with us, but hey, if we can help you find an answer for that, we'll, we'll give it our best shot. And maybe that's a gateway to bring you into the studio and, and get you interested in something else. I know moving an office to a more public space sounds like a small change, but it's not. When you're not tied to a specific place, you can actually see problems as they arise and fix them on the fly. You can learn from past experiences and bring those lessons into different neighborhoods. And when you're part of the government, but also a staple of the community, you become the best agent for change. And Kevin and his team have found this pop-up model really works and could be the innovative solution so many cities are looking for. The one thing that we were looking at nationally, if not internationally, was that people were starting to move back in the cities, whether it was from the suburbs or from other cities, that there was this this wave of reurbanization, and you could take a step outside on Peachtree Street and, and see it. You could go on the Beltline and see it. But the point is that next wave of growth is finally coming back to cities, and what are we going to do with that? Um, we can either let it happen and wash over us and, and, and hope for the best, or, or we, we can really finally take a moment and be intentional about it and... and, and um, put together a design of, of what we want to do. We've really taken a step designing the whole level of the city and, and saying this is, this is what we want to be when we grow up. For Kevin, part of that whole level approach is looking at the city not as one giant plan, but one neighborhood at a time. 
After spending their first year in one neighborhood near the middle of the city, the studio moved to Cascade Heights, a historic neighborhood in the very southwest corner of the city. And even that move was a decision made in conversation with the neighborhood residents. It's an amazing neighborhood. It's an established neighborhood. It's uh, got a, a very steeped history in, in the, the rise of the black middle class in, in Atlanta. They approached us with something that really resonated with us, which was, you know, we're, we, we see ourselves as a neighborhood right on the edge of growth. We, we love what we have. Um, we would love to be more. And we don't know if we're completely equipped to leverage that growth and, and that investment to get what we want out of this. What's one design project you completed in Cascade Heights that you're still really proud of? I think we're most proud of our our, our bus canopy project that we did. It was Ooh, tell me about it. Yeah, it was, it was right across from the studio was a, a a bus stop that was heavily utilized, a high frequency stop from from Marta that a lot of people in the neighborhood use. But it was a bench and a trash can. And seeing people with grocery bags or in wheelchairs when it's raining and, and not having that cover, it, it really kind of, you know, it took a while to get there, but then it was the most obvious answer. This was a big moment for Atlanta City Studio. A lot of times when people think of improving public spaces, they jump straight to create a park, which sounds great. We all love a park. But because the studio was in Cascade Heights, and Kevin and his team were talking to neighbors all the time, they were able to actually see what the community needed and develop in that direction, one small project at a time. Each step of that process, we, we were working side by side in this, not, oh, you want a bus stop? Well, in 12 months, we'll be back with the final design. It's not something that we're going out to you and asking for feedback as we hit certain milestones. It's always having that conversation about how should we be designing our city. I love it so much. It really showed us what we could do. The bus stop is emblematic of Atlanta City Studios' novel approach to urban design. By embedding in the community, they were able to get genuine input from the people the project would actually impact. Then, when those projects were successful, it made the community trust that their priorities would be heard, so they'd get involved in the next project too. It's a positive feedback loop that has the potential to radiate all across the city and create real, inclusive change. So I'm wondering, why is urban design the key to creating a more inclusive city? I mean, we, we tend to see the bigger picture of, of how cities work. We see the connectedness of things. You know, that's, that's kind of why I think it, it, it is so important and, and is uniquely positioned to kind of lead that, that charge. We ultimately see that behind all of that, the reason you do it is are, are the people that are involved. Urban planning and design is impacting all of our lives, every day. Whether it's the way a bus stop helps us get to a job, or how we make sure the important spaces in our communities are preserved for the future, these are the conversations that will build cities we can all live in, together. And Kevin's experience shows you don't have to be a landscape architect or a transit nerd for there to be a place for you in those discussions. There is still hope for Atlanta, and, and there's a lot of hard work to do, but there's a lot of us that stay awake every night and, and work tirelessly every day to do it, and, and we'll bring everybody along with us that wants to come. In Atlanta, at least, the residents have a clear idea of what makes their city their city. 
and they're ready to make sure that's maintained as the city grows. The historical nature of it. Especially its history as it relates to civil rights and human rights. I remember all the excitement when we got the first black mayor. You know, people were like, don't be ridiculous, but we, it happened. I think it has been a city of great opportunity. Uh, the progress. The educational institutions. And its, it's connection to transportation. A very a hopefulness about it. And I think it has that openness to diversity in the city of Atlanta is uh, what makes Atlanta great. For me, it's home because it's home. So I can't make it clearer than that. Those kinds of things makes Atlanta Atlanta. Hello, this is Shana. Hi, Shana. It's Ashley. Hi, how are you? Honestly, I kept thinking during my conversation with Kevin about how excited Shana would be to hear about his experiences. So I called her up to tell her all about him. Okay, so first of all, I'm definitely on the way to being a transit nerd myself. (laughs) Not that the seeds hadn't already been planted, but there you go with your watering can, and here I am. That's great. So I'm going to tell you about my conversation with Kevin, which will hopefully help you think through some of the questions you had, and at the very least, help you feel like you're not alone in your work to make cities more inclusive. You ready? Very. Fantastic. Okay, so Kevin said... The way to make sure that you're making the city better for real people is to go out and do the work around real people. It was really important to him that the Atlanta City Studio office wasn't in City Hall, but was actually in people's neighborhoods with an open door policy. He said the most important thing is that you shouldn't just be seeking out community feedback as projects reach big milestones, but you should be bringing the community into the design conversation from the very beginning. And that's how you make sure you're really responding to existing needs. I know that's kind of easier said than done, but does this inspire you to get creative in your own community outreach efforts? I personally find interfacing with the public very scary. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that doesn't mean that we can't be better and we are working Mm -hmm. on a transformation at the five point station. Um, And that's really the hub of our whole transit network. It's where our lines converge. It's in, it's in need of some upgrades. And so it does make me think as we enter into this year long planning process about ensuring that the right voices are around the table from the get go, as opposed to just taking an already designed idea back for public feedback. When you asked about how design can improve transit, Kevin said that he also thinks that small interventions can make so many parts of our cities feel more inclusive. Now, Kevin actually had a great example. Basically, instead of deciding on a giant transportation strategy, Kevin and his team were looking for one small thing they could do to make residents' lives better. And they saw a busy bus stop that just had trash cans as a bench and no overhead cover. (laughs) So they decided to make the bus cover. Now, do you feel like Kevin's model of focusing on people's small but meaningful needs can help you at CAP accomplish bigger goals? Of course. This is a pretty nerdy thing that we have been talking about doing here, actually, Mm -hmm. um, which is trying to tie the five-point station in with a library. So making sure that people have direct access 
to books without having to go out of their way in their busy day to, to fill that need as well. And so I think things like that make people recognize that transit is really useful and that it can be a one-stop shop and that it's really a critical part of your community mm-hmm. and can really make the experience better for anyone. Okay, now you're talking to me. I love that that is something like, that is a great small step. A small library is a small, I love it. I love it. Okay, quick recap of what we learned from Kevin, okay? One, move around. When you get to know different neighborhoods, you can make yourself a key part of the community and establish relationships based on trust, communication, and respect. You have to listen to people's real needs. The best thing for one group of people isn't always the best solution for everyone, and that's okay. And finally, start small. It would be great if urban design could just magically change everything in one day, but we both know that's not realistic. What is realistic is looking around and thinking about what you and your team can do right now to make a difference and make cities more inclusive. So what do you think? Did any of that help? I think I got a lot of work ahead of me, but I'm excited about it. I would say that every time I engage in a conversation with someone about what they need to get around or what could make their experience getting around better, I walk away with a new understanding of our built environment and the way our transportation system works because transportation really is so personal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that at the end of the day, going back and thinking about how it personally affects everyone, everyone has to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think that does, that does make me hopeful because it's not just thinking about this, a giant train or a big road, but it makes me think about the people who are walking down the street or in that train. And that does give me hope. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye, Shana. Bye. Where we choose to live says a lot about who we are. Everything from the kinds of coffee shops you look for, to your proximity to a park, to the number of bus stops in your neighborhood is actually wrapped up in your financial identity. And when our cities start to change, our financial identities are also along for the ride. Change in any city is inevitable. But the more we can all talk to each other about what we want from our cities, the more we can prepare for change and make sure urban growth serves everyone. And that's the larger mission I'm on to keep talking about these big issues, to make sure everyone feels like they have a voice in the conversation. It's a reminder that we're not alone. Everyone has big financial questions, and I'm determined to keep talking through them all. Ashley C. Ford, I'm so glad you're back. Your voice is like butter. Anyway, my question is, How do I teach my child good money habits? How do I get my friends to pay me back? Am I making less than my coworkers? I'm wondering if I can afford... What's the most environmentally conscious way to to work? Should I apply to grad school? Hey, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. I'm wondering how do I talk to my parents? Hey, Ashley, it's Jada. I have a question. How can I travel more responsibly? That's next time on Fortune Favors the Bolt.
Fortune Favors the Bold is a podcast from MasterCard and Pineapple Street Studios. It's hosted and produced by me, Ashley C. Ford. Our MasterCard executive producers are Marcy Cohen and Brooke Capsuroni. MasterCard editorial direction by Arsalan Danish and production by Rebecca Abraham. Our MasterCard mid-roll producer is Mira Belgrade. Our theme song is by Bobby Lord. Tell us what you thought of the show. Find us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And tell your friends about the show, too. I'm Ashley C. Ford. Fortune Favors the Bold will be back next week.